Thank you for joining us today on Positively Charged Biz. We are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. We are a proud founding member of the Real Disrupt Podcast Collaborative, and you can check out more awesome podcasts at realdisrupt.com. Good day, everyone. I hope you are having a positive and productive day. I am very excited about our guest today because I think we all have experienced in our lives continually saying how busy we are. And today we get to hear how to get unbusy and be happy while we go through a transformation. Allow me to introduce you all to Dr. Garland Vance. He has been helping people and teams get clarity about their life and leadership for over 20 years. He's an author, speaker, and consultant. Along with his wife, Dorothy, he co-founded Advanced Leadership to help high-capacity leaders and organizations live and lead with purpose, productivity, and peace. He has helped his clients, which span from Fortune 500 companies to nonprofits, stress less, accomplish more, and fulfill their highest priorities. He is the author of Getting Unbusy, which Forbes named one of the seven books everyone on your team should read. Now, Garland, on Positively Charged Biz, we like to start at the beginning. So please tell us. What inspired you to write a book about getting unbusy? Well, I wrote Getting Unbusy because I realized that if you don't kill busyness, it's going to kill you. Mm. Uh, And I realized this the hard way. It was back in 2013, and I started having all of these physical problems. And I'm I'm a pretty healthy person. I eat healthy. I exercise regularly. And yet I was having all of these physical problems. And so I went to my doctor, who was Dr. Tate, and I said, Dr. Tate, I'm having chronic migraine headaches. I'm having extreme exhaustion. Uh, I'm having forgetfulness. I'm sitting at my desk just checking email, and I'm having heart palpitations. And none of this makes sense. I'm concerned that something's happening. And he said, well, Garland, tell me a little bit about your life. And I said, well, I have a really good life. I'm busy, but it, it's good. And he said, well, tell me about your busyness. Now, now you know, anytime you ask people this question, right, how are you? They're going to respond, oh, I'm good. I'm just really busy. So I was saying what everybody else said. And so I said, well, sure, Dr. Tate, I'll tell you about my busyness. Um, I said, I work 50 to 60 hours a week with one of Chick-fil-A's nonprofits. I uh, am working on my doctorate in leadership. And so that takes 10 to 20 hours a week. I'm uh, traveling about 60 days a year between work and school um, that, you know, that have me going all over the place. Um, I'm helping our church get a leadership program started. My wife and I have three young kids at home and they're involved in the community and said, so, so everything's good, right? I have this really good life. It's just really busy. And Dr. Tate stopped and he put his hand on my shoulder and he looked me in the eye and he said, Garland, I'm concerned for your life busyness is killing you. And if you don't kill it, it's going to, it's going to end your life. And, uh, and that was the moment since I was working on this doctorate in leadership, I was like, 
I want to see if he's telling us the truth. If he's telling me the truth, is busyness really taking a toll on me? And so I ended up dedicating about three years of research around this. And that's why I ended up writing Getting Unbusy. Wow. that What a story. I love that. Absolutely love that. So a couple of things there. So Dr. Tate, I'm curious, was Dr. Tate like your family doctor? Like somebody, it was, right? It he was, was yeah. He was my that, family doctor. Great. So he kind of have watched your growth, you know, as yes. an adult, he's watched you, you know, kind of progress and go through. So he was in tune to be able to be connected to you. So there's the first thing that I'm getting out of that yeah. is that's wonderful that he had that care, that it wasn't just, oh, you know, take a few deep breaths, everything will be okay. You know, he right, actually right. inquired, listened, and gave you such valuable advice. Okay. So I love that. Okay. So now, okay. So you walk out of there. I'm assuming that you're like, huh, maybe, maybe there's something to this. I'm, I'm presuming. Okay. You said you spent three years researching. Tell me what you did. I'm curious. How did you, what research did you perform? Yeah. So, so first I started by doing just a lot of reading around, um, trying to understand what are causes of stress, what cause, what is busyness? You're, you're not finding a lot of definitions out there of, of what is busyness? Um, why do we brag about it and talk about it? And then I just went into, um, physical psychological research on, you know, what are the effects on our body, on our minds, on our emotions? Uh, What are the effects of busyness on relationships, on productivity, and even on entire organizations? And then the really challenging part, so so there was a a ton of, of research of just trying to understand where busyness comes from and what it's doing to us. But then the really challenging part became that there were enough books out there saying busyness is a problem and you should do something about it. But very few of them gave practical step-by-step instructions for beating busyness. And, and for me, one of the biggest challenges was I'm a type A personality and I like being a type A personality. I like having big goals. I like going after the things that I want to go after. And I didn't want that part of me to die, but I wanted the stress and the exhaustion and the damage that I was doing to myself to go away. So one of the challenges became how do I remain a type A personality while having a a type B type of spirit to me. And uh, so a lot of research even had to go in into that of how do you maintain that personality while changing some of the habits and the attitudes that keep us trapped in this perpetual cycle of busyness. Absolutely. Wow, very valuable. And we're going to dive into some of the answers to that. Okay, so the first one, we have to get the biggest one out of the way first. Why do we wear being busy as a badge of honor. Why? Yeah. So let's define busyness first and then answer that. So busyness is an overcommitment to too many good commitments. Nobody who's really busy is is busy because of, of bad things. You're, you're busy because you have a job. You're busy because you have commitments at home and at work and, uh, you know, kids activities in the community, church activities, whatever it is. You're busy because you're overcommitted to too many good commitments. 
And one of the reasons that we wear busyness as a badge of honor is because if we tell people we're not busy, right? If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, how you doing? And you said, oh, I'm not busy. I'm moving real slow. I'm just barely moving through life, right? We would look at that person who said that as being lazy, mm -hmm. as something is wrong with them. And so busyness in part helps define our significance to us, mm. right? If I'm busy, I must be important. I must be needed. I must be significant in the world. And so I'll keep myself busy in order to validate that desire for significance. And yet the truth is the busier we are and the more divided our attention becomes, the less significance we can have in the areas that matter most to us. Absolutely. I guess it's the same. Well, there's a couple of things there. Another thing, when you mentioned about how there really weren't any books specifically giving you answers, the first thing I think about is all you hear about is, well, you have to manage your time better. You right. have to block off time on your calendar and you have to, and I, that's not at all what you direct us to do in your book. So let's, yeah. let's understand why it's not necessarily time management. Yes. And so that's a big shock to a lot of people uh, that it's not about time management. In fact, I don't talk about calendars or to do's until very, very late mm -hmm. in, in the book. Part of that is based on uh, my own life. So I love time management. And so by the time Dr. Tate told me that busyness was killing me, I had read over 300 books and articles and research papers on time management and productivity and calendar management. I know that world really well, and yet I was still killing myself with it. And so what I discovered is that first and foremost, busyness is about some inhibiting beliefs that we have, uh, some bad habits, and then some commitments that we've made that we don't necessarily want. And only later do we really need to start looking at, okay, how do you manage your calendar? How do you manage your to-do list? First, you've got to do the hard internal work of understanding where is busyness coming from in my own inhibiting beliefs and unwanted habits. So do you think there's people that actually try to fill up all their calendar just because they're they're looking for something to fulfill themselves? I mean, do you think that's part of one of the reasons why we overcommit to certain things? I do think that's one of the reasons. I don't know if we're thinking that consciously right. or if there's just this subconscious uh, belief that I need to fill up my time so that my time is is meaningful. I mean, we hear every day, you know, carpe diem yeah. or, you know, there's this fear of missing out. And in many ways, busyness is driven by a fear of missing out, right? If I say no to this opportunity, am I going to deprive myself of the next promotion that I'm going to get? Or if I don't let my children do everything that they want to do, am I somehow going to, you know, minimize the, the, the life that they could, uh, that they could live one day. And so we keep saying yes over and over, not just for our own significance, but even for the significance of the people who we love the most for the jobs that, that we, we care about. Um, not taking, again, not taking the time really to stand back and say, am I actually diminishing my significance and diminishing right. the impact that I can have by saying yes to so many things? Yeah. And that ties perfectly to a section in the book 
when you reference it, you kind of connect it to hoarding. You、mm. mention about hoarding. So go into that, and that kind of ties exactly to what your point was. Yeah. So as I was doing the research, I was really wondering how do we create a step by step process for people to go from stressed, overwhelmed, and exhausted to purposeful, productive, and peaceful. And it was during that time that I started watching. Television shows about hoarders, and I didn't do it for research. I did it as kind of a guilty pleasure of at least their lives are more messed up than my life is, <laughs> <you> right? <laughs> and so I started watching this, and it became really clear to me over a few episodes that hoarding and busyness are very similar to each other. Hoarding is an attempt to cram too much stuff in too small of a space. And busyness is an attempt to cram too many commitments into not enough time. And once that became clear that there's really a, a correlation between hoarding and between busyness, then I started paying attention to how do hoarders actually break free from this? And they had to go through five steps. Yeah. Uh, and and these became the five steps of getting unbusy. So first, they had to decide. They they made a decision that they wanted to change their life. And then second step was they had to deconstruct. They started tearing stuff out of their house, and they had people come in and they would dump things, and you know just basically remove everything from their house. And then third, they began to. Redesign or to design how they actually wanted to live. Now that they had all of that stuff out of their house, and so they thought about, you know, what do I want to use this space for? How do I want to make this into、um, a place that I can bring my friends and family into? So they they designed. Fourth, they developed it. They started taking those ideas and turning them into reality. And then fifth, they were finally able to draw others in. They brought other people into their home and felt the joy of having people over there and not feeling the shame of having too much to do. And those five steps—decide, deconstruct, design, develop, and draw others in—became the five steps that I take people through to get unbusy. You have to decide to get unbusy. You deconstruct、uh, inhibiting beliefs, bad habits, unwanted commitments. You design the life that you want to live.、Uh, then you begin to develop it with your mind and your calendar and your habits. You start living an unbusy life, and finally, you begin to draw in your family, your friends, and your coworkers into an unbusy life with you. Wow, and and that's a tall order. And I like that you equate it to hoarding because, of course, we've all we've all seen those shows, and and it really is very emotional and traumatic for people to go through that process. So I'm curious, do you see that same thing when people are trying to get unbusy? And then the second thing is, how long does that process take? Because I would think. That is not a simple. Okay, you know, I'm going to decide on on July 1st, and hey, by you know by July 15th, everything's good. I have to imagine it. It definitely takes not only going through the steps, but keeping into that. Because I would think people that are normally in that routine, I could see them reverting back in time. Especially look at look at us right now. 
Okay, all of us had our entire lives changed, right? We all have gone through the pandemic. We've all, you know, changed. We're not traveling. We're at home. Our whole lives have changed. So you're not taking the children to the soccer games and you're not going to ballet lessons. And, you know, everything is different. So sure, people's lives changed. But continually I say, I hear all these great things. Oh, we're eating dinner as a family and we're spending time doing arts and crafts. And the question is, will that continue if tomorrow there's a vaccine and everything is great? Will, yes, will it remain? So what do you think? Yeah, so I talk about the difference between, uh, because of this pandemic and work from home and all of this, you know, we got all of this time back, but there is a big difference between having a season of unbusiness that is forced upon us and actually getting unbusy right, and, right. and staying unbusy. And so uh, for me, the, the difference is when you actually experience getting unbusy, when you go through those five steps, you have the, the freedom on the other side of that that continues. Now, you have to work at it. There are definitely times that you have to work at it. But you're, you're experiencing unbusyness that has nothing to do with what the rest of the world is, is going through or how things are shutting down. And so uh, is it a difficult process? You know, you ask about that. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, one, it's a lot easier for you than it is for me because I had to figure out what in the world I was doing. So it literally <laughs> took, you know, three or four years of just trying to figure out what in the world do I need to do to do this? The, the good thing is with those five steps, I can actually take a person or a team through it in about 30 days. Okay. And so that's about 30 minutes a day for 30 days. Uh, four of those days, they actually get, get to take that day off. It's okay. kind of a catch-up day or, or a rest day for them. Um, but I have clients who are typically uh, going through 30 days um, at a time, and, and they're able to get to the other side and, and experience unbusyness. Okay. And then if they need to go back and make some tweaks, they can do that. But yeah, typically only takes about 30 days to go through. That's great. That's awesome. And, and then it might just be a little fine tuning if they, yes. if they get off track a little bit. Yeah. And, and you know what, I've been doing this for, for several years now and it still takes a little bit of fine tuning of for course. me where I have to take a step back and go, wait a second. Have I said yes to things that I don't really care about? Am I, you know, have I built the margins in my life that I need to build? And so every quarter I take stock of how am I, are there any things that I need to tweak in order to continue accomplishing my biggest dreams and highest priorities, but at a pace that's sustainable. Right. Okay. So a lot of times, you know, we think multitasking is possible. I think we've all learned now that you can't really effectively multitask. Right. But how does being busy or over committing affect your productivity? What have you seen? Yeah, so it has massive detriments to our productivity in, in a couple of, of different ways. So, so one way is that um, busyness forces you to do what's called context switching, right? Where you think about one thing and then you immediately turn your attention and you give it to something else. Well, your productivity drops every time that you do a context switch. Okay. And uh, you have to reorient where your mind is and think about what you're now having to, to work on. So busyness has massive detriments to our to, to context switching because we're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. 
Second, busyness affects your energy. And uh, in the last decade or so, there's really been a lot of research that productivity isn't as much about time management as it is about energy management. There's certainly a time management component to it, but how you manage your energy uh, determines in large part how productive you are. And what busyness does is it creates this cycle of stress that leads to cortisol and leads to um, adrenaline, and that wears and tears on your body over a number of, of weeks and months and years, and that's going to drain the energy from you. In fact, uh, there's been about 26 different diseases that have been connected to stress that's caused by busyness. So you can't be at your most productive if you're constantly sitting there, uh, you know, feeling tired, feeling exhausted, or having any of these, you know, heart palpitations like I was, migraine headaches like I was. Um, all of those are connected to, to busyness. So it sucks away your energy. And then I would say the third way that busyness really hurts our productivity is that we exchange achievement instead of accomplishment. And so the way that I define that is achievement is checking 50 things off my list. You know, I, I'm a list maker. I love to check things off the list. Well, what busy people tend to do is we build lists of fairly unimportant things, but they make us feel good. Every time we check it off, we get a, a hit of dopamine. We feel good about ourselves. You know, look how much I did that day. And that's achievement. That's when you're accomplishing 50 things a day. But I don't know about you. I would much rather accomplish three things in a day, but they're really, really important things. They're mm -hmm. really high priorities. So when we're busy, we achieve a lot and we accomplish very little. Wow. Okay. So when you're speaking about, you know, the highs and lows, is that pretty much what it is? Is it that, you know, that one moment of you get the spike of something good happened, but then you crash and it's that constant highs and lows that kind of affects negatively affects your energy, right? It's when the stress comes at you and then all of a sudden, and, and listen, Garland, I'm in the mortgage business and <laughs> The mortgage business, a perfect example. We're filming this right now. It's the first of the month. And in my industry, every single first of the month, we're at zero. Zero. Think about that. No matter what we accomplished yesterday, regardless of how amazing we did or how big that number was or how many families we helped, today, I'm at zero that can be stressful. <laughs> that literally you're starting at zero every first of the month. And then as the month is going on, it's building and building and building as you're working towards, oh my goodness, we have a goal to meet by the 30th or the 31st of every month. And we have to hit that goal and we have to be productive. And then you crash on the first. <laughs> because you're at zero again. So that's one of the reasons why I certainly wanted to share your book and your knowledge with my industry, because it definitely is a roller coaster, you know? And even before we started the interview, you had said to me, oh, you must be very busy. The mortgage rates are low. Yes, exactly. And then again, if you went two years ago, we weren't very busy. The rates were going up. So yes, the cycles come and go of sometimes it's overwhelming. 
Sometimes it's the other direction. And there's a lot of emotion within our industry because of that. So give us, give us, give our industry a little advice and, and the best way to, to handle those highs and lows, because it is an industry that, like I said, it, it always is changing. There's always another cycle. And every beginning of the month, we are reinventing ourselves to work towards our goal that is only a month long. Right. Yeah. So one thing that I would say is, let's say, you know, first, let's identify what you don't need to do. You know, mm -hmm. wh what I don't think you need to do is just ignore phone calls, right? right. You can't do that. No. Uh, you can't do that in, in your industry. You can't necessarily set lower goals. I guess you could set lower goals, but, but I don't get the feeling that people who are in your industry want to set lower goals. No. There's something exciting about going after a, a, a big goal. I think a couple of things that you, you can do is first, make sure that you celebrate the conclusion of a month before you launch the next month. I think a lot of high achievers, myself included, fail to celebrate the accomplishments that they have before they start working toward the next accomplishment. So it could be something small, like just bringing the office together uh, once, you know, all the- On a the, Zoom the, meeting, on that Zoom meeting, on right? On a Zoom meeting, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, even on a Zoom meeting, you know, doing a, a virtual happy hour and yes. just toasting each other and celebrating the accomplishments that you've had and then putting a gap in, in that time. Don't immediately turn and say, okay, now we're going to yeah. talk about next month you know take a 30 minute break or an hour break or you know come back the next day and talk about what those uh those goals are so learning to to put a little bit of celebration in there and even celebrating on a daily basis the accomplishments that you've had so i have this uh this ritual that i do every morning where i ask three questions i shouldn't say every morning most mornings uh but but i ask myself three questions what did i accomplish yesterday what am I grateful for from yesterday? And what will I do differently today than, I, than yesterday? And it's amazing to me, there's a lot of research around this, just taking a few minutes, I spend five, maybe 10 minutes on that, those three questions, but just taking a few minutes to answer the question, what did I accomplish yesterday? reminds you of progress that you've made and takes a little bit of pressure off because what high achievers tend to do is forget what they did yesterday and all they can think about is what they need to do today, tomorrow, and the next day, and they feel like they got to do it all at once. So that's one way that I would really encourage people in your industry is just set a little bit of time in the morning to reflect back on what you accomplished so that you can look forward to what you're going to accomplish today. That's very interesting because although we've heard many times about, you know, journaling or being grateful, but the difference in what you said is not to necessarily do it at night during that day. You're saying make it the morning reflecting back on yesterday instead. So that's very interesting because it does change your perspective. It really it does. does. It does. And you can feel like this morning, I've like you feel like you've accomplished something, but what you're really doing is just looking back and you're building momentum into that day. I love that. So our example would be, I'm looking back at what a great month we had last month, right? And and I'm a big believer about celebrating the wins. And I really like that you shared that because 
everyone in our industry needs to take that moment. And listen, I, I said to you, we're, we're very busy and people are working in different environments and our industry has done a great job of adjusting and adapting. We need to be thankful and grateful for that. Appreciate our team members that have all adjusted to be able to assist with this. And it's great to celebrate not just the big wins, but the little ones also. Absolutely. I, I love that. I love that. Okay. You used the word, I actually said it in the bio when I was describing you. My, one of my most favorite words is peace. So how do you create peace in your life? Yeah. So I, I think for many people, there is a failure to experience peace because of busyness. It's this, you know, when, when you're running frantically and frenetically from one meeting to the next, from one closing to the next, from one phone call to the next, uh, and, and life is filled up with all of these obligations, you're not going to experience a tremendous amount of peace. And so I define peace as, you know, I talk about purpose, productivity, and peace. So purpose is knowing your why. Productivity is doing your why. And peace is resting in your why. Hmm. And so one of the best ways to create peace, once you identify what your why is, right, whether, whether that's your monthly why of this is my sales goal and I need to hit that, uh, or whether you have this big, huge, overarching why that gives order and meaning to all the parts of your life. Once you know what your why is, being able to say no to as much else as you possibly can is going to create a sense of peace for many people. To be able to say, you know what, I could serve on that committee. I could help with this other thing. I could read this book. I could take on this project. But for right now, I'm going to say no. Uh, and the way I love to say it is you can do anything you want, but you can't do everything at once. Right. So what's the one thing that you want to do right now or need to do right now and give yourself to the best of your abilities fully and wholly to that thing? Say no to everything else and you're going to find much more peace in your life. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. You also, when you went through your five steps, you mentioned about how you have to bring your family or your coworkers or your friends into this transformation. I found this very interesting in your book. So I definitely want you to cover why that is important. Yeah, well, this unfortunately came about as a hard lesson. Uh, I was doing coaching with somebody, and when I originally came up with getting unbusy, there were only four steps. I didn't have draw others in, and I had been coaching somebody named Kim through it, and we got to the end, and we were going to celebrate, and I said, Kim, how do you feel? And she looked like she was about to cry, and she said, I feel really lonely. And she went on to explain that um, she had gotten unbusy, but her family was still busy. Her friends were still busy. Her coworkers were still busy. And so she felt incredibly isolated and lonely. And it was this aha moment where I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, there's got to be this fifth step because getting unbusy isn't just about you. Mm -hmm. It's about the people that you care about the most. And, and I talk about relationships all throughout the book as, you know, busyness hurts relationships. Relationships are one of the 
what I call the core four that you really begin to build your life around. And so by the end of the book, it is critical for people to begin saying, wow, I've, I've started living this unbusy life. I want to bring the most important people into my life to experience it. And, and the beauty of that is when you begin to, to bring in your family, your family is going to get a lot closer and it's going to be a whole lot easier for y'all to decide, you know, what, what are the commitments we want to do and what do we want to say no to? And, th- and then you begin to, you know, draw in your friends. And when I was at my busiest, it would take six weeks to get on a friend's calendar or for them to get on my calendar, you know, and we would say, Hey, you want to get Starbucks? Yeah. Let's look, you know, three months down the road and maybe we can make that happen. That's ridiculous. You know, I really, maybe two weeks at the most, but I really want to be at a, at a point in my life where I can develop my friendships with people and we don't have to, you know, work through 14 weeks of, of navigating in order for that to happen. Um, and then with your team, and this is the beauty of it, especially when you're talking in, in your industry, when when teams begin to get unbusy, the whole organization can become much more focused okay. on its biggest priorities. And that's going to cut down on so many unnecessary meetings, yep. so much you know, superfluous work that people tend to do uh, and their jobs and wondering why in the world am I doing this? It allows you to get laser focused on that organization's biggest priorities and then cut out all the rest. That's awesome. That's wonderful. And and yeah, when I read that, I said, oh, this is such an important component because you're right. You know, regardless of you getting unbusy, there's everyone else in your world. And I could appreciate what Kim said about it being lonely if she's the only one that has gone through it. Absolutely. All right, Garland, this, this has been awesome. This has been so educational and it really, really comes at a perfect time within my industry. So I truly appreciate it. Do you have any final advice for our industry? I, I would encourage you to eliminate the word busy from your vocabulary. In fact, make it a bad word. Uh, we joke around uh, the uh, a few weeks ago, I guess I should say a few months ago, my uh, son, who was nine years old at the time, said to my wife, mom, are you okay? You're looking, you're, you're acting a little B word. And we all like looked around and we were like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? And he said, you know, busy. You seem like you're a little busy. Oh, I love that. That's a great story. We loved it too once we realized what (laughs) it was. But it it made me realize that busy has become a bad word for us. And that is so critical. I think when your clients come to you and they ask how you're doing, if you respond, oh, "Oh, I'm good, I'm just really busy, what you're saying is, I don't really have that much time for you. And if you, if your family is asking how you're doing and you're saying, I'm, I'm busy, what you're saying to them inadvertently is, you're not really that important to me. And and they may not, uh, they may not think that, but subconsciously they're feeling that. And so, eliminate that word. And the next time somebody says, "How are you doing?" Fill that with something else. I'm purposeful. I'm productive. I'm grateful. Just get busyness out of your vocabulary. Oh, I think that is amazing advice. Love it. Okay, Garland, how can people find you? Get the book. Connect to you. How how do they yeah. learn all about you? So the best thing to do is you can go to our website, advanceleadership.live. That's advanced, no D at the end, because my last name is Vance, right? So advanceleadership.live. 
www.thebigbrainmindset.live. Uh, and you can find out about the book, about uh, coaching and consulting that we're doing, as well as some of our online programs that we offer. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. We truly appreciate it. It's been very valuable, and we wish you all the best. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Positively Charged Biz. I'm Laura Brandeo, and we are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. If you have an inspiring story, please email me at laura at positivelycharged.biz. And remember to subscribe to hear more great guests. And connect to us on Facebook at Positively Charged and Instagram at Positively Charged Podcast. Until next time, we wish you a positive day.